Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. is not just a crying out that Jesus would return, but it is also a cry that all of humanity would return to him. The desire of Maranatha is this, that the church in unity together would cry, come Lord Jesus, come that Israel who rejected their Messiah would in unity cry, come Lord Jesus, come. And that the nations in unity would cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. And God, this morning, I pray that we we could truly participate in that call, that cry. God, I struggle with so many things, holding on to so many different things and things and people and ideals and desires and experiences. I pray this morning, Jesus, that you would overwhelm us with your enoughness. That God, this morning, that I would love Jesus more than anything else. That I would want your presence, Jesus, more than anything else. That Holy Spirit, you would work and empower me to love Jesus in a way that he's worthy of love. And that we would, with everything we do, leveraging everything we have, would lead others to the table that you've invited us to, Lord Jesus so that we would be ready for your return. That when this gospel is preached to every nation and tribe and tongue, you will return. And you will bring those who have come to you to your table. And we will celebrate forever and ever. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So this morning, we are going to kind of hit the last thing that is part of unpacking our values of who we are and what we do. And and we've walked through these things these past six weeks on Forever Family and 
spiritual rhythms and discipleship for the last couple weeks. And, and while maybe not everyone had the same definition, everyone is familiar with and says, yeah, I mean, I get family and forever, and I, and I get spiritual rhythms of prayer and Bible study and, and fasting and giving and all those things and, and, and discipleship. Yeah, I, I get all those things. This morning, we're gonna talk about that last value that is, it is guiding us on the road that God has us on, which is the Maranatha cry, which is probably less familiar. And this morning, it's interesting, um, we're talking this week about how we've, we've walked through this, this series with, with um, short messages and then having opportunity for questions. And what I love about that is if you look at the ministry of Jesus, the bulk of his ministry was questions. People asking him questions and him asking others questions. The posture of a person who's pursuing Jesus is oftentimes that from a place of questions. Questions that want to understand, questions that are maybe struggling or frustrated or questions that are anticipating. And so I think it's been super helpful to clarify and unpack as we've been walking through this, these past few weeks and having questions. But, but there's also this reality that sometimes questions aren't necessarily in the desire to find answers and then obey those answers. Sometimes questions are there to kind of make an excuse to obey what Jesus has clearly called us to obey. <laughs> and so I don't know necessarily the motivation of where a question comes from but this morning, with the Maranatha cry, this is something that, while it might be new and might, you might say, yeah, I need some time to, to kind of figure this out, I don't know that there's any questions about what God wants from us and in us and through us. So Maranatha is actually an Aramaic word, and it was used in the early church as a greeting and, and as, as an anticipation for what is to come, what they looked forward to. And it's interesting because Maranatha means actually two different things. It has the same word, depending on the pronunciation, has a past idea and a future idea. So if you were to pronounce the word Maranatha, and if you were to pronounce it this way, Maranatha, so the emphasis on the Marana and then Tha, it would mean, it would mean our Lord come. Like our Lord come, like he is coming. Our Lord is coming. Jesus come, just as we just sang, Jesus come. Yet if you change the emphasis a little bit to Maran Atha, it means the Lord has come. Our Lord has come. Jesus has come. And what I love about the, the, what this word encompasses is it recognizes the fact that Jesus has come and he's finished his work of salvation, and then he will come, and that we anticipate his coming for him to make everything right and for him to call us home. And so Maranatha is, is here's the thing, it's not an escape from something. It is all of our desire and all of our fulfillment toward someone, the person of Jesus Christ, that he has come and he will come. And it's us living in the tension of that middle of, of Jesus coming and, and calling us back to himself and living present day to day with him, calling him, saying, Jesus, I need you here with me in my present and anticipating 
and crying out and loving the return of Jesus. Simplified, Maranatha is a heart cry that because of who Jesus is, he is worth whatever it costs for me to maintain the integrity of my witness to everyone around me, that he's worth it. There is a theology of suffering within the statement Maranatha because what it's saying is that even if I suffer, even if there's hardship, even if there's difficulty, Jesus is worth me persevering through that suffering. And in the midst of that, it's not just suffering silently, but it's in the suffering crying out, come Lord Jesus, come. Even to me in the moment. In fact, throughout history, it's, it's interesting. Um, the song that, that became a campfire song and then, and then kind of became almost a joke song, Kumbaya, that was actually sung by slaves who came to Jesus for salvation and they were singing and that whole point was, come Lord Jesus to us in our suffering and bring us peace and bring us comfort that only you can give. And, and so it's been this, this cry that Jesus is worth more than anything else. And so really what Maranatha does, it confronts us with this. Do I love Jesus so much that he is worth more than anything else? Even, even is he worth my obedience when that obedience is hard or they, that obedience is costly? I think sometimes it feels like dying for Jesus would be much easier than living for him <laughs> in obedience. So one of the things that I think is a pretty incredible snapshot of this Maranatha cry from Jesus is in John chapter 21, where, where Jesus, he's, he's the resurrected Lord. He goes to the, the, the shores of the Sea of Galilee and meets up with the disciples who've gone back to fishing and, and they, Jesus calls them, they get this big catch of this, this big crew of fish and they bring them in and then they have breakfast on the beach and then Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, of course I love you. You, you. you know I love you. And then Jesus asks him a second time. He says, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter a second time says, you know, of, of course, Lord, I, I, I really love you. Like, I love you more than, more than, than these around us. And, and Jesus asks him a third time, do you love me? Basically, what, what Jesus was saying is, am I worthy of the entirety of your love and your life? Am I worth it all? And Peter keeps answering, because here's, here's the thing, Jesus has to be worth more than everything because of what life has in store for us. If Jesus is not worth our love and life, then we might as well just go for it <laughs> and do whatever we want. But if he is worth it, then there's nothing too costly. In fact, what Jesus, I think what Jesus does here is pretty extraordinary because he says to Peter, after he asks, do you love me? He says this in verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you. 
So Jesus says to Peter, he says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And he says, this is what you loving me will cost you. You will lose control of your life. You won't have control of your life anymore. Someone else will dress you. In other words, someone else will be in control of your life. That's what it will cost for you to love me. And then Jesus continues saying to Peter, he says, uh, and another will carry you where you do not want to go. That loving Jesus for Peter will cost him his convenience. Someone else will lead him where he doesn't want to go. For Peter to love and give his whole life in its entirety to Jesus, he will lose the convenience of doing what he wants to do and going where he wants to go, but someone else will lead him. And then finally, it says in verse 19, in parentheses, it says, this Jesus said to show by what kind of death he was, Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said, follow me. Finally, Jesus basically says to him, do you love me? It will also cost you your comfort because you'll die for me. After all is said and done, you'll give your life for me. And I think Jesus in this moment with Peter is saying, am I really worth it to you? Do you love me so much that you're willing to give all of these things up and recognize that there is a reward, there is a treasure that is greater than everything you've given up? So at the beginning of, of the Maranatha cry, the question is simply this, do I love Jesus more than any other person? Do I love Jesus more than any other thing? Do I love Jesus more than any other dream, any other goal that I may have, any other experience I want to experience, any other fear that's holding me back, any other disappointment that I've experienced because I'm not sure I want to trust him, but do I love him more than that disappointment? Do I love him more than any injustice that I've experienced? Do I love him more than anything? And do I see that he's worth what he asks? The Maranatha cry recognizes that Jesus has come and he and, and deeply desires his presence now above all things, that we want Jesus to come and, and be a part of our lives, be present in our lives. Here's what I think is really, really awesome. Last week was a pretty incredible Sunday morning here. And last week, I believe that God gave us a glimpse of what the Maranatha cry encompasses right now. Last week in, in, in the first service, a handful of people came up here and shared what the Spirit was speaking to them. And every person who shared had an element of the Maranatha cry, that Jesus is worth more. Jake said yes, even before God reveals to him his specific details to his plan. That Jesus is worth loving even if I don't know what exactly his answer is. Nicole said, Jesus, you are worth that which I value and prize most. You are even worth more than my kids. Wanda said, 
Jesus loves me so much that I love and want and am going to forgive my mom who abused me. Patricia stood up here last week and she basically had the Maranatha cry, the part of that that is like we find in the psalmist where she basically said, God, where is your justice? God, have you abandoned me? But knowing that, that he is the only one who can fulfill and make things right, even in the midst of feeling like there is no justice for the righteous. I mean, it, it, she sounded like David in the Psalms. And then Charlotte simply said, God is good and trustworthy. And if you know Charlotte at all, she has good reason to not say God is good and that he's trustworthy. But that loving him is worth it. And then Lacey saying that in the midst of struggle and the unknown and relational loss, I trust Jesus because he's worthy of my trust. And I love him and I know He'll do what's best. That's all the Maranatha cry. That's all saying, come Lord Jesus to me right now and be here in my midst as I work to love you more than all other things. Because you are worthy of those things, hands down. I love there's, there's Jesus, I feel like did something before he was arrested and crucified. And he, he brings the disciples together and he celebrates the Lord's Supper, communion. And I think the Lord's table reminds us of Maranatha that the Lord has come. He has come and he's finished the work of salvation with his body and his blood and Jesus has finished the work. So every time we take communion, we are saying, Maranatha, the Lord has come. But then the other side of Maranatha is, is that the Maranatha cry recognizes that Jesus is coming again and, 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 and in his return, not just as an escape from what we don't like, but as the fullness of every good desire. And that we eagerly anticipate his return, not so that he punishes anyone, but because we love him so much and we want to be in his physical presence because that would be better than anything else we can possibly imagine. And I think this is where it's kind of hard. I think anybody would say, yeah, I want Jesus to be with me right now in in my day-to-day activity, when I'm struggling when, when, in all of those things, I think that, that really wanting Jesus to return is a harder thing because there's a lot of stuff that vie for our loves in this life. And there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we don't, it's hard to compare the best things I've experienced in life with Jesus and say, Jesus is better, isn't it? There's an element of faith within that. And there's an element of believing what Jesus said and say, you know what, he is better. 
You see, when we don't desire his return, it means to some degree, we don't really know who he is, his identity, and that something about this life has become too important. When I don't eagerly desire his return and say, come Lord Jesus, with, with no, with no ex- exceptions, it means that to some degree, I don't really know him the way he can be known. Because when we know him that well, all else pales in comparison. When we know him that well, then the things that are important in this life are still good and valuable, but they're kind of garbage compared to what he has in store for us. Scripture is really clear, but it's really difficult. (laughs) Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter six, and he says, one of the things he says when he says, when you pray, pray like this. He says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is this side of the Maranatha cry. Your kingdom come and your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. And a lot of times it is easy for us to interpret that as make things good here on earth. But that's not even close. Do you know what your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven is? Do you know what that looks like? It's, it's, that, it's that we all, the nations, the world, everyone here on this planet, before and now and later would see the true identity of King Jesus and will love him as he is loved in heaven. That's what your kingdom come and your will be done. It's, it's, it's let heaven, what is happening in heaven, happen here to the same degree. Revelation 7, verse 9, I, I love, this is what I, this is what I think is, is the picture of your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When John sees the great multitude in in, in Revelation 7, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were surrounding standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. That is thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the Maranatha cry of come, Lord Jesus, Be revealed in your glory and let all the nations, all the created beings, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. That's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the come Lord Jesus side of the Maranatha cry. And here's the thing that I struggle with and I don't know about you. I frequently like plead for Jesus to come back. But I've noticed that it is in a certain environment. It's when I'm disappointed with something. 
It's when I'm angry about something. It's also when I haven't prepared for something and I would like Jesus to come back to fix that. <laughs> but all of those moments that I want Jesus to come back, it's not because I love him and I think he's worth more than anything that I have. In that moment, it's because he's worth more than what I'm disappointed with. It's in those moments where things are as perfect as they can be in my life. It's when I have everything I could possibly dream of that I say, come Lord Jesus, that does come from a place of loving Jesus supremely more than anything else in the world and recognizing that his worth is better than my best day. When I say, come Lord Jesus in that moment, that's the spirit of Maranatha. It's not just an escape from something. It's running to someone who my heart can't stand to be apart from any longer. And in doing so, in, in pursuing him that way, is drawing everyone else toward him as well. Because you see, Maranatha, again, is not just, I want all this to be over. As I want Jesus to return to receive the reward which he is worthy and due, and I want as many people possible to come with me in this moment. You see, to love Jesus by his own definition is to obey Jesus. See, we don't really define loving as obedience, do we? Love is a positive affection. See, I think a lot of times people say, I think even times I'm guilty of, saying that I love Jesus, but I love Jesus, maybe, I, maybe it's that I like Jesus because I like his ethics and morality. Maybe it's because I like how Jesus treats others and calls others to treat me. I may like Jesus' ideals and his words, but none of those things are love because to love Jesus is to obey Jesus. When I say I love Jesus but disobey him and make up my own way, Jesus doesn't call that loving him. And so Jesus calls us to obedience and that shows our love for him. It's not perfection, but that's what we're called to do. And part of obedience is taking his gospel to every nation, every tribe, every tongue so that they can hear Jesus and not just hear Jesus and, and, and kind of walk away and say, I've done my job, but pursue them because of how much we love Jesus, because how much Jesus loved me and pursued me, we pursue with the same intensity and same degree. Here's, here's what I think is, is hard. It, this, is, this is, I feel like this is a hard thing, but here's the thing, the Maranatha cry fuels everything we've talked to up to this point. The Maranatha cry, the Lord has come, the Lord is coming, fuels 
our willingness to work hard to be a forever family. It's the Maranatha cry that makes you put up with me and me put up with you. Because family is hard. But it's because our Lord has come and he is coming that we do everything to keep the bond of unity in the spirit. And we live as family together. It's because of the Maranatha cry that, that we pursue Jesus in intimacy in, in spiritual rhythms. It's because he has come and he's coming and we wanna be ready. It's the Maranatha cry that fuels our discipleship, both of those who we are walking deeper into relationship with Christ and those we are bringing to a relationship with Christ. It is that Jesus has come and he's returning that fuels our discipleship of all people. But it's still hard. At least I think it's still hard. Because there's parts of me that just can't comprehend how worthy and worth it Jesus is. But that's why he gave us the spirit. Jesus said in the same moment that he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. The next thing he said was, and I will give you the counselor who will be with you and he will help you. The Holy Spirit helps us to step into the Maranatha cry. The Holy Spirit helps us to obey Jesus, to love Jesus the way he's worthy of love. The Maranatha is, Maranatha is a cry. It is keeping our minds and hearts on him and only him. It's preparing for his coming, for his return. It is proclaiming the word, the Lord. It's proclaiming the word the Lord has given to us. When we say Maranatha, we are testifying to our love and devotion to King Jesus. And I think we're all at different places in desiring the return of Jesus. That's okay. That's okay if you struggle with some aspects of it. Because I think some of us this morning are at a place of, I just, I love, I really do love Jesus and I want him to come back and I'm doing everything I can to make his name known around me. And there's others of us, maybe even here today, who are kind of like, I don't know, Jesus come back, that's a lot of people going to hell. I don't think that's fair. But here's the thing, no matter where you are in this, there's two things that don't change. One is the love Jesus has for you and his desire for you to know him and to love him it will never change. It never decreases in its intensity. No matter if you eagerly desire his return or you say, I don't think I want Jesus to come back. He still loves and desires you just as much as he ever did. And secondly, it doesn't change those whose heart cries, whose heart cry is Maranatha because their love is so deep for Jesus that they will not stop loving you and pointing you back to Jesus. And that's what I want for myself. I wanna be so deeply in love with Jesus that I just don't stop, I don't give up. I persevere, endure, pointing people to Jesus. And even in the same moment, desiring so much his return. We began this series with an image and a comparison of Jesus and his kingdom 
is not a hierarchy, it's not a climb, it's not come and work hard and climb the ladder to get closer to Jesus. Jesus is an invitation to come to a table. And Jesus invites those who are successful and strong to the table, and he, and he invites those who are weak and exhausted to the table. Because Jesus says, come to my table. And isn't it interesting that the Maranatha cry is, come Lord Jesus. The kingdom of God is all about invitation. Invitation to come from judgment, to come from hopelessness, and come to a place of family and love and perfection. So I just wanna take the next couple minutes and give us a little bit of time to just pray where you are. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you wanna move, maybe, maybe there's something this morning that God has clearly spoken to you and said, here's what you love more than me. Or here's what I need you to hand off so that you can eagerly desire my return that you can step into the Maranatha cry. We'll just take the next few minutes and then we'll remember that the Lord has come through communion. So if you need somebody to pray for you or you wanna tap someone next to you or you just wanna kneel, take the next few seconds to just seek Jesus in prayer. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.